welcome to the Pitbull Patty Show. I'm your host, Patty Stuckler. We're keeping it real here with straight talk and sharing true stories that will inspire you to change your life. Are you ready for this? Because here we go. Welcome to the Pitbull Patty Show. I'm Patty Stuckler. And I have a, a really interesting story it's going to be told uh, with my guest. It's a story from October of 2015. It was a bizarre love triangle in Maryland that ended in a shocking double murder. And it's a true story of what happened between a married couple and a 25-year-old girl that was recently featured on a TV show on ID Network called The Perfect Murder. That show just recently did a whole uh, episode on this double murder uh, that took place. I just happened to be the realtor at the house uh, where the murders occurred and sold that house in Lothian, Maryland. And my guest today just happens to have been the owner at the time of the murders and the landlord. So uh, so my past client here and owner is gonna help me uh, share this story. So I wanna welcome Stephanie Myers. Welcome, Stephanie. Thank you, Patty, glad to be here. I know this is a crazy story to be talking about and uh, one that you probably have talked to a lot of people about over the last couple of years because that was three years ago when the murders took place. Um, so now this property, just to kind of lay some groundwork, this property in Lothian, Maryland, you were the owner of the property and you were the landlord that was renting it out. So how did you meet the, uh, you know, the, the Anastasis because who, uh, Anne was the wife. Tony, uh, Anthony Anastasi was the husband, and then Jackie uh, was the 25-year-old girlfriend of actually both of them, the couple, uh, that really was this bizarre love triangle that I sounds like kind of ended up being between Tony and Jackie, and maybe that's where uh, the problem arose that uh, Anne was uh, being left out. I don't know, but how did you meet the Anastasis? My secretary at the time has a son, and he was starting a business and he brought Tony down because they had been friends since elementary school. And he impressed upon me what a great guy he was, how honest and talented. And he really wanted him to work with him as a partner. So he brought them down from uh, Michigan and they came with everything, but they didn't have any place to live. I had recently had an inheritance from my grandparents. And so we found it on foreclosure and we won the house and we're just thrilled, got a very good price on it. And so I said, here you go, move in, pay rent. Wow. And good luck to you. Wow. Yeah. So mm-hmm. so you specifically, now I didn't realize that you had specifically bought the house, not as just, oh, I, w- I want to buy an investment property. You actually had become uh, familiar with these uh, with this family. And I know they had uh, five children, uh, Tony and Anne. And so you uh, just felt like, wow, I could really help them out. I have uh, some money from an inheritance. I can buy a property. They can rent it, um, and that will give solve a lot of problems. Yes, and they ultimately wanted to buy it for themselves. So that was the plan. When they got on their feet, they would buy it, and that was their dream house. They just loved it. Wow. So that was the plan. So now how long did, did you, did you – uh, uh, socialize with them much? How long did they live there, in fact, before anything occurred? 
I never socialized with them. I had the children come to my house and I would give them little jobs so they could earn spending money. And the mother, Anne, worked for me as an assistant in my business for the entire time uh, until the murders happened. And she was a very able assistant and just did everything right, very smart, very organized, and really devoted to her children. So I gave her all the flexibility she needed for the job, and she just performed beautifully. Wow, I did not know that. I, I had no idea that Anne actually worked for you. That's that's This is really a behind the scenes of this story, because <laughs> this yeah. really gives a lot of more context to different layers of this story. I did not know Anne worked for you. That's so interesting. So were they good tenants? Um, how long were they there before, did I ask you that, uh, before the murders occurred? About a year and a half. And no, they were not good tenants. Uh, they were terrible tenants. They didn't pay the rent when they had money. Uh, he had a couple of odd jobs. When they had money, they paid promptly, but they mostly didn't have money, so they stopped paying. I could not bring myself to put them out in the middle of the winter into the cold. And I, we called shelters and the family would have had to be separated. There's very little help. So I said, just stay there and we'll try to get this working again. But no, they didn't pay rent. And they also just destroyed the house. That's the part that really hurt me. Wow. So how did you get the news that something had occurred, that, that, that a murder had taken place in your property? I had a phone call approximately 3 o'clock in the afternoon on that date and said, something's going on at your property. There are police all over the place, and Tony is in the front yard in handcuffs. And I said, where are Anne and the children? I have to know that they're okay. And I teach uh, violin at one of the local schools. And so I said, I'm sorry, I have to go, because they didn't know where Anne was. I didn't ask about Jackie. I just was concerned about the kids and Anne. Mm -hmm. So zooming out there, the police would not let me through the tape, even though I was the owner of the house. It was sealed off. So I couldn't find anything out. And then we got very concerned about where's Jackie. And we called the school where she, she worked, elementary school. No, preschool, sorry. And they hadn't seen her that day. And... So that's how I found out, and then we just waited for news that came little by little. So initially, uh, the reports were that Tony was in handcuffs in the front yard, that he, he had committed a murder, and so obviously, obviously was alive, and, and you talked to Anne, so you knew Anne was alive, so you must have been thinking, you know, the kids was your next concern, somebody died, something happened, or then Jackie, uh, the girlfriend. So... Um, did you start seeing newspaper reports or well what happened that first day in fact when you saw when you saw Anne and then did she tell you that actually Tony was dead? Uh, yes, she did. And she said it was a murder suicide that Tony had gone downstairs, had an argument with Jackie, a great big argument and stabbed her and then went upstairs and uh, she told her that don't talk to Jackie because she's not going to be wanting to talk to anybody. Wow. So, so Anne, from day one, was telling you uh, that this was a murder-suicide, and so obviously you believed her, I assume. She worked for yes. you, and you had no reason not to believe her. So, That's right. So then, uh, so then what happened in those subsequent days after the initial uh, you know, incident? Well, I was able to get in touch with Anne, and she would call me, the courtesy of that. She was even told, we found gunpowder residue on you, and I didn't know if that meant it was floating in the air, but it 
it supposedly means that you handled the weapon. But you know, to this day, they're not even conclusive about who pulled the trigger. But she had, so she said, they're saying I did it. And I wasn't even in the room. I'm afraid the lies were just multiple. Mm-hmm. And so there's no accuracy coming at all. But I, she was out of jail for about nine days before they incarcerated her. And at that time, she was allowed to run free and do whatever she wanted. And so, and so you, details. No, and you, you probably were, were over there bringing her food and, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> right? Well, I, I took her to a nice restaurant and said, have anything you want on the menu after what you've been through. And uh, she's had a big steak in a Manhattan. And I said, I'm so happy you're going to need that strength. Wow. And she enjoyed her. She enjoyed her meal. <laughs> wow. Oh, my goodness. I cannot believe that you took her out for a steak. Here she was involved in, turns out, she was very involved. Uh, whether she pulled the trigger or not may be inconclusive, but she was very involved in, in the uh, murders of two people, including her husband. And, and uh, unbeknownst to you, of course, and you're taking her out for a steak dinner in Manhattan. That's, and that's just nuts. <laughs> Yeah, I do that routinely when people murder people. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's no. a mistake. <laughs> I felt so sorry for her. Her husband killed himself, and she had all these kids, and it was so violent. But anyway, that's what I did. And and so then, uh, so then the newspapers, of course, and the TV stations, it was all over the news in, in uh, Anne Arundel County, Maryland area, Washington, D.C. area, what had happened, uh, you know, that something had happened, two, two murders were committed in, the, in, your, in your home in Lothian. And so um, started coming out that now, though, so Anthony, Tony, was murdered in his bed, in the master bedroom, and Jackie, the 25-year-old girlfriend of the husband and wife, was stabbed to death in the basement, uh, I read somewhere, 42 times. So she was stabbed 20 times and then had an additional 22 cuts on her body, so very violent death. Yes, and I understand she tried heroically to fight back, even tried to push dressers in front of the doors, do anything to keep them out, but there were two of them, I'm quite sure, the daughter and the boyfriend, and so she didn't have a chance. Maybe even Anne, too, I don't know. Wow, it's it's so, and so uh, the daughter, um, I believe her name is Sarah, is that correct? She, yes. was 14, 14, she was like 13 or 14 years old at the time of the murders. Her boyfriend, her then boyfriend, was 18 years, 18 year old uh, Gabriel Strauss, who uh, was uh, tried for the murders uh, along with Anne, uh, and he was. They were both convicted. Anne uh, Anastasi was convicted and uh, sentenced to 60 years. I read, and also Gabriel. Strauss was uh, sentenced to 60 years, which is just absolutely tragic. Yes. I mean, you think about, so, um, you think about killing somebody in the, you know, stabbing somebody to death is, I can't even imagine somebody doing it. It's one thing to shoot somebody. That seems a lot easier to do than to stab somebody, (laughs) doesn't it? I mean, it's just horrible. It was meant to be cruel. It was meant, Anne said to me one time, I hate that woman. And I said, (laughs) careful, Anne, how you talk, given what had happened. I just hate her. And so, like I said, they meant to do exactly what they did, unfortunately. Yeah, and I I understand there were a lot of text messages that were uh, part of the evidence of this case, Uh, text messages between Anne, the mother, and then Sarah, the daughter, and her boyfriend, Gabriel, uh, three-way text between them discussing uh, leading up to the murder. 
Yes, it's my understanding that they go back as far as June. So even if you think you're texting someone, you're deleting, it's all still there because the police were able to get every word of it. So from June to October, they were planning this murder. And that's one of the things that weighed heavily against Anne in her sentencing. Wow. It, it's just so unbelievable. And, and um, what's so interesting is I also uh, was read that uh, Anne had inherited a million dollars, uh, like a, had a million dollar trust fund that they just went through that money. She and, and Tony and the five children and lived, I guess, kind of high on the hog until the money ran out and then, and then went after, you know, looking for people uh, like yourself, very generous people that were willing to help them out. And I'm sure they must have asked you for money. Oh, they did. They definitely did. They had a lot of bills to pay from the past. I was trying to help them. He was hoping to get a social security distribution because he had a very bad, very bad back. He lifted a hot tub and didn't put it down fast enough. It was too heavy and his spine looked like the Burma Road. So they needed money for everything. They had nothing. They had a 67 Falcon that was rusted through. You could see the ground, always car repairs, you name it, everything. And there was nowhere else to go. So I, I stepped up and helped them. And they had promised to pay me back. Absolutely promised. So Yeah, I'm sure. Famous last words. <laughs> you got that right. Well, so did you remember when Jackie came into the picture or you just heard about it later? Did you know of Jackie before these murders? I did not. I you just not. knew that you just knew from Anne that there was. And, and you probably didn't know, I'm assuming, that, uh, that they were in this three-way relationship. Oh, no. Well, I'd heard rumors. I had heard rumors. I'll clarify that. But there are a lot of rumors, and I try not to pay attention to them. And so when she, she said to me, uh, Jackie Riggs wants to come down here from Michigan. If you'll lend her $2,000, she'll pay it back at 500 a month for four months. She already had a job at a nursery school off of Central Avenue, and I didn't want to, but I thought, well, let's give her a chance to get down here and get a better life. And so I lent the money, and I only had one payment. Every month there was a reason not to pay me back. Very discouraging. Please tell your viewers, if you're going to give somebody money, give them $10, and that's it. <laughs> or, or uh, yeah, no. A, a, that's a, it. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's, I, that's a, that should be a rule. You don't lend yes. anybody money because no one ever wants to pay it back, and it will ruin friendships and relationships, so... Yeah, very wise. <laughs> Hopefully you've learned that lesson. <laughs> I <you>. have. <laughs> Even the Bible says uh, neither a borrower or a lender be, and that's right on. So that was a sad chapter for me. Absolutely. Lost a lot. Absolutely. So how long was, was your property part of this crime scene? Uh, the police had it under wraps for about a month. And during that time, it was... Doors were left wide open and people were taking things out of value. I don't know who did that, but it happened three times. They would call me and say, have you been to the property? I said, no. Well, how'd the doors get left open? Because they were all locked. I changed all the locks. I don't know. But they did, and they took out pretty much everything of value. There was a lot of jewelry and things that I didn't know anything about, uh, antique weaponry, and that had value, but all, it all went away. Wow. Wow. So who cleaned up the mess from two, uh, one very bloody murder downstairs and then the husband and the bed and the master? Who cleaned? Did you have to hire somebody to clean up the house? No, Anne actually did it. She cleaned it up herself and it was spotless when I got there. I didn't see any residue from blood downstairs. 
nor upstairs. And she cut the mattress up that Tony was lying on when he was murdered into little strips with her pent pocket knife. And she was very agile with it. And so and she put it in hefty bags and put it on the front porch. And she said nobody, nobody would come get it. So she just took care of matters herself. Well, it sounds like she was trying to destroy evidence. Oh, yes. Right? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yes. looking back, uh, it looks like she was trying to, you know, make sure there was less for the police to, to um, investigate. Well, so did you, do you believe in ghosts? Did you feel like, okay, after the, the house was, you took possession uh, back of the house, got it all cleaned up? Was the house, um, you know, in disarray besides, it sounds like she cleaned up the, the murder uh, areas, the blood and so forth, but was the house clean as well? No, absolutely not. Big holes in the walls, from what I understand, from fights. And Tony would lie on the bed and shoot his BB gun into the walls. Hundreds and hundreds of BB pockets where we had to spackle over them and make the wall right for painting. Oh, I can't tell you. Just dirt and filth. And the looked like the fixtures had never been washed in the restrooms. And just breakage everywhere. And tons and tons of of toys and clothes outdated and things all in boxes to the ceiling and broken furniture, everything broken and destroyed. And, oh, it was quite a job. It took me four months to clean it up. I had help from friends, very kind friends, but I mostly did it myself. Wow. Because I know mm -hmm. um, by the time you contacted me, you had already had it listed once before. Another realtor had it listed and then uh, didn't sell. And then you contacted me. And so I kind of came in to the picture, not right from the beginning. So uh, wasn't familiar with how all of that got cleaned up and what the house looked like. I know when I listed it, it was, it was in beautiful shape. The house looked gorgeous. It was very clean, very nice. You had done a really nice job updating things and, and so forth. So um, did, you, did you have the house, uh, did, you, uh, did you like call a priest and have him kind of do an exorcism? What did, what did you do as far as like uh, from that perspective? Because the house looked great. Did you, did you feel the need to do anything like that? I really did because it had been so violent and so awful. And in my heart, I wanted this, to, this beautiful house that actually the next door neighbor had built. And uh, I wanted to restore it back to a good house where it would be a wonderful place for a family and no vestige of what had gone on before. I feel the house is like a part of the family. So I did call a minister and they did sage around, which I'm told works. So they had incense and they prayed. And I certainly prayed from my heart too, to make it a good project. Oh yeah, no, it looked, it looked great. I mean, I, I do believe in ghosts. I do think that, uh, you know, I believe in an afterlife, so therefore I believe in spirits and believe that, you know, um, we, we can allow them into our lives if we want to and, you know, perhaps uh, have some, some experiences. I know normally I do have a professional photographer who comes and takes photos for me, but for whatever reason, I don't recall exactly why I ended up taking those photos on your house. But I remember going in and I went on the main level and took all the photos the kitchen and living room and all that. And then I went upstairs, and as I went up to take the photos on the upper level, uh, I went up the, the staircase, and as I got to the top of the staircase and the master's like on the left-hand side, the light went off like that. It just clicked mm. off, and I turned the light back on, and I found myself like talking to dead Tony, I guess. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I, I remember saying, you know, 
okay, you know, it's all good. You're, you're in a better place now. You can, because I, I, you know, I, I believe, you know, I'm kind of funny, I guess. I believe in pretty much everybody goes to heaven. Because I think even anybody who's nuts enough to do horrible, evil things are probably insane or have some kind of problem, you know what I mean? Some, something wrong with them that any, you know. So I, anyway, long story short, I was talking to him and it was like, you know, you're in a better place. You can watch out for your family, you know, from where you're at now and look over that, you know, watch out for them and blah, blah, blah. So I remember having this weird conversation, taking photos of the other rooms upstairs. Then I went down the steps and as I got down to the very bottom landing of, from the upper level, the lights then again flicked off, totally flicked off. And I just thought, oh my goodness. So I just turned it back on and I thought, oh, I got to go down to the basement level, which I really did not want to go down there. I got to tell you, I knew, you know, what happened down there. And maybe it was just, maybe that was just what was in my mind, that that's what freaked me out. I don't know. But I went down those steps. And if you recall, you, you go down the steps and then there's a concrete wall on one side of the staircase. And then you get down to the bottom and there's a uh, stairwell and then it opens up into, you know, that large like basement rec room. So I ended up taking some photos and then I was trying to get my last shot, which was uh, a wide shot in the, in the family room down there. And so I kind of found myself crouching into kind of as small as I could get into that uh, stairwell corner and take that wide shot. And I just could feel her spirit. I just could feel the the just the horror down there I could just feel it yeah it truly creeped me out I just thought oh my god I gotta get out of here I I really felt highly uncomfortable I took that shot and ran up the steps as fast as I could get the heck out of there I mean I really did feel like I could feel what happened down there or feel her her spirit I mean I I don't know could be like I said um but anyway I mean I do think that that's I don't know if the saging helps or not, but well, I, I hope idea. so. I, I was on the Eastern Shore one night performing at a house out there, and I had driving home. There were no streetlights. I found myself in the middle of a cornfield with my excellent sense of direction, and I turned around to back up. And I'll swear to you that there was a Victorian dressed lady hanging there, and ghostly she was ghostly for sure and i just as you can imagine hightailed it out of there and the next day i saw that that area is called ghost hollow but do i believe in them i actually saw one and i really did but i just say my mind is open but well it's hard to I've, say it's hard it's hard to you know to know one way or another but i i, I i'm like you my mind is open i feel like mm-hmm. you know i i know one thing i don't have time to talk to dead people normally i mean i got enough <laughs> going on in my own life <laughs> that it's like Absolutely. i don't got time to be talking to people who've already lived theirs you know so no i wouldn't normally but but that was a really one of those experiences where i just felt like oh my god i could just feel that energy um but so um no, i gotta want to kind of in wrapping up so you recall getting an offer. Uh, we got a, a, an initial offer after I listed it. And uh, I know you were happy with that. That was a uh, full price offer. Do you remember that whole situation? Oh, I, I do. <laughs> Vividly. <laughs> Vividly. I was so excited. And the couple, young couple really loved the house. But then they found out about the murders. And I think you got a call right away the next day. <laughs> I did. I did. We got a full <laughs> price offer on it. And I was really happy. It was a military couple, I believe. I'm not 100% sure on that. But it was a young couple. And um, 
And so uh, I get a call the next day, and the agent said, Patty, I want to withdraw the offer. We're, we're, you know, my buyers uh, are not proceeding. And he point blank asked me, was there a murder that occurred in the house? And I said yes. Which, by the way, for, for those listening, in Maryland, and I don't know about other states, but in Maryland, you're not allowed to disclose any information you may know about people, only the property. So people who lived in a property, I don't care if they died of AIDS in the home, there was a double homicide, double murder, whatever, suicide in a home, you're not allowed to disclose that um, uh, unless there's under two circumstances where you are. One is if the, the uh, owner of the property uh, gives you authorization to do so, or if it is known uh, as public record, kind of in the town uh, square it's known publicly. And in this case, it was the latter. Obviously, I wasn't trying to go around telling people uh, about it, but um, it was all over the news. Unfortunately for us, for you and me, it was uh, the trial was happening for Ian at the time that the house was listed and, and on the market. So it was drawing a, a lot of attention, um, you know, in the news sources. Yes. Very much giving me a headache. <laughs> we waited for the phone to ring. It seemed like forever. Yeah, and in fact, didn't you tell me, I think you said that you saw it, uh, you were traveling somewhere and you saw news coverage uh, I overseas. did, on CNN. I couldn't believe it. Lothian, Maryland, and there's my house. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, my <laughs> really something. I went up to the uh, trial area. I wasn't actually allowed to go in, and the... The sheriff said to me, you know, you were sucked into a vortex of evil. And it's hard for me to think of another human being as evil, especially this girl I had been so very fond of and was trying to help her get ahead with scholarships. She wanted to be a radiation tech. And we did. We got her a $10,000 scholarship to college. She had a dollar in her wallet in probably 20 years Can you imagine not being able to buy a Coke or a cup of coffee? Yeah. She had nothing. For all those years. Wow. So anyway, it was uh, it was evil though, unfortunately. It really was. But the the good news is, we did get the house sold to a wonderful couple who don't believe in ghosts and could care less, <laughs> and they were happy as they could be in buying the beautiful property uh, that you sold. And uh, did now did you go back uh, ever to the property since then? Yes, I was motivated to introduce myself, <clears throat> pardon me, and say that I was the owner of the house and it was I who was me who directed the fix up and all that and how sincere we were about trying to bring it up to a good level. And they were very appreciative and they took the house and kept going and even made it better. So it was wonderful. And I won't be knocking on their door every week and bringing them banana bread, but it was closure for me. And I just wanted to put my face there and say I cared. I really did, and I'm so happy you're there and you like the house so much. Well, I just think uh, you're, you were terrific, uh, and you did everything you could possibly do as a seller under tremendous um, you know, uh, circumstances that most people would never face uh, as an owner of a property. So uh, I, I do appreciate you know, uh, clients like you that really went above and beyond, and you really did in trying to uh, put the house back together so it could be a good house for someone else. Well, I really want to say, and this is not trying to butter bread or flatter you, but you were always available for my phone call with questions and and your firm and guiding hand and your husband helping me actually on the property hands-on 
was just the hugest blessing at the time and I'm very grateful for it. And you advised me right and wisely. So we got it done. <laughs> we got it done. Yes. We got it and done. You. And I, wanna, uh, I want to uh, make sure that I uh, just let people know that you have served in the Marine Corps and you are a veteran of the Marine Corps. You played violin uh, for many years in the Marine Corps. So I just want to personally thank you for your service. Well, it was a pleasure. Thank you. And thank you for having, uh, having the time to come on and share this uh, incredible story uh, with us. And uh, hopefully I'll see you soon. Well, I'm glad you mentioned about the Marines because as Marines, we take everything very seriously and show responsibility. And that's what I couldn't do anything else. But again, thank you. And I hope we never have to meet each other under these circumstances again. (laughs) I hope not. (laughs) Well, this wraps up this episode of the Pitbull Patty Show podcast. And uh, until next time. Thank you.